the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Let's start by taking a look at the year-to-date numbers. NASDAQ's down 30%, 30.5%. SP 500's down 22.5%. The Dow Jones Industrial Average down 18.5%. Ten-year Treasury sits at a whopping 3.73%. I know that doesn't sound like a whopper, but for a guy who does this for a living, that's a pretty big number. Um, from where we started this year at, that's the most significant number I can see. Bitcoin sits down 59% year to date, down to 18,780. So it reached 19,000. Will it hold in this area and just follow the NASDAQ? Or will it crack down to what looks like support 13,000? Amazon year to date down 31%. A lot of mayhem going on. Um, Not the year that we would want if we were to retire. The year that we do want if we're not going to retire. You can buy things cheaper. I know that's kind of a weird silver lining. But that's what it is. So the Dow is the only major... Stock index, not in a bear market, and it is oh so close. Down 18.5% for the year. Can it get that 20%? Do we need it to hit 20%? That would be its lowest close since November 2020. The tech-heavy NASDAQ is coming off its worst two-week stretch since March 2020. And we're all sit here doing the same exact thing, second-guessing the Federal Reserve. It's become a weird national pastime where we have this weird look on our face. Like, why are they doing this? Why, 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 why? And it's really to fight inflation on the low end consumer. Investors began the week. um, Kind of shell shocked last week and it just got, it was more shell shocking, but you know what? There still wasn't crazy volatility. There wasn't, I'm going to sell all my stocks and go to cash. Global markets have been clobbered. Global markets have been clobbered. Unprecedented effort from the world's central banks to lift interest rates and to stamp out soaring inflation. And it has a feel to it that is very much like a disaster film. Very shaky and dangerous developments. The world economy is shaky and threatening, like a tectonic plate. We've never, ever seen central banks around the world raise interest rates by this amount in this amount of time. Fed was one of 10 banks that hiked rates by a combined total six percentage points last week, and more than a dozen more rate increases are planned through October. Critics such as the World Bank say that these simultaneous rate hikes could have a disaster effect on the global economy. The economic outlook is deteriorating. Stocks have been bad, like historically bad, down 23% for 
for 2022. S&P 500 is having its fifth worst start to a year in history. It's on pace for its biggest annual drop since 2008. Goldman Sachs recently cut its year-end target on the S&P 500 by 16% down to 3,600. It's currently at 3,693, so they're kind of saying right about here. Currencies are extremely volatile. The one big winner this year has been the U.S. dollar. Well, the dollar. The pound plunged to a record low after the Britain released its much-scorned budget last week. Japan moved to prop up the yen for the first time since 1998. The dollar is soaring as a safe haven. But not everyone is predicting a disaster. Atlanta Fed President Rafael Bostic said yesterday that the country's strong labor market indicates the Fed could cool inflation in a relatively orderly way. We'll see about that. Again, second-guessing the Federal Reserve is, is, is the thing now. Rihanna is back to the Super Bowl. What is kind of interesting about the Super Bowl conversation is that it's going to be sponsored by Apple and not Pepsi this year. And is that just, again, on air, we'll say things like, I feel bad for ABC, NBC, CBS, Fox, the old traditional broadcasters, because they just can't compete with Google and Amazon, Apple, as far as paying their way into the NFL, the NBA, Major League Baseball, and other sports. Is Pepsi a victim of Apple's got so much friggin' fragging money? Jeez. Rihanna is a superstar. Announced that she would be performing the 2023 Super Bowl halftime show now, sponsored by Apple Music, in a mega viral tweet. Fans have been waiting a long time to see Rihanna back in action. She hasn't been released an album since 2016. Last time she played in public was 2018. Let's see what we have here. There's a Porsche Mega IPO. That sounds like fun just, just to say out loud this week, right? Out of the ashes. This year's brutal IPO market comes Porsche, Porsche, Porsche. It's a Volkswagen-owned luxury automaker. It's going to list publicly on the Frankfurt Stock Exchange on Thursday. Its valuation will be about $75 billion. It'll be Europe's third largest IPO. So you can buy shares of Porsche. That's pretty cool. I'll tell you what. Um, I used to love a uh, graphic designer, Juliet. She was one of my very first loves. And she worked, she did annual reports for companies like Porsche. And the annual reports are worth getting. If you've ever seen a, it, they're well designed, slick marketing pieces, typically that sit on the desks of the corporate offices in the waiting room. Um, I would bet Porsche has a top of the line annual report. So as far as I'm not saying that I really like catalogs, but if I do like catalogs, it's catalogs of stocks and why, why to own them. Anyhow, I am digressing. Tesla has a robot watch this week. What do we need to know? They're going to host its second AI day on Friday. It could reveal a prototype of its humanoid robot named Optimus. CEO Elon Musk is going to give an update on the FSD, full self-driving beta. Technology that aims to make Tesla's fully autonomous. Tonight, NASA's getting together 
as a NASA spacecraft is supposed to ram into a 11 billion pound asteroid in what's compared to a golf cart ramming into a pyramid. It's a test to see how well we can change a, a celestial body's trajectory, like in a bad science fiction movie. That's right, a bad science fiction movie. We're trying to see if we can stop a big asteroid from hitting Earth by hitting it with a small little golf cart. Jupiter is going to be the closest point to the Earth in 59 years today. Eh, I don't know. Eh, that's right. I don't know. Wedding gifts are evolving with the times. People are now asking for the number one gift for the honeymoon. Cash. So people are generous when contributing to a housing fund more so than they are generous with the wedding gifts. So people will throw down more cash if you ask for cash. Hint, hint, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, poke, poke, get what I mean, get what I mean, get what I mean. Anyhow, 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. This has been a tough year. This has been a year where bonds aren't working. Safety's not working. Growth isn't working. Mega cap's not working. Um, Currencies are working. And that's a real tough one to explain, saying, yeah, you should invest in the dollar. Um, The nice thing about this is there's kind of a whoosh in effect on inflation that is pretty easily whooshed right back out. But we're not there yet. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. You're listening to New Focus on Wealth on AM 1220 KDOW. I've often said, as an investor, you could probably find some pretty good choices for investment ideas by watching sports on the weekend. If you watch NASCAR and you take a look at all the cars that have sponsorship, they're probably pretty good investments. Same thing with the Super Bowl halftime show. Any sort of booth sponsored by whatever in baseball. It doesn't always work out like that. There's going to be a stinkers here and there, like a pets.com. But you get the idea. If you can afford to say, yeah, we hang out with Lady Gaga, Dr. Dre, you two, Bruno Mars, Coldplay. Um, you might be able to do okay. Snoop Dogg. In a minute, in a Eminem. Um, so Apple's going to have the official halftime music show for Super Bowl. What is it? Fifty nine. That doesn't sound all that great, does it? Apple scores the NFL deal. Super Bowl halftime um, sponsor replacing Pepsi. It'll get a hundred million viewers. Now again, it's not Apple who's sponsoring it; it's Apple Music. I think there's something to be said about that. Um, but I don't know what it is. So I will just move on. Warren Buffett, not a big investor in real estate. Does that surprise you? You think of one of the richest men in the world, and you're like, well, that doesn't jive with what I'm thinking, Rob. His long-term investment strategy has proven to be successful through virtually all market conditions over the past seven decades. He's gone through recessions. He's gone through high inflation. He's gone through deflation. 
if there's one thing that you could say about Buffett is his commitment to a strategy has been pretty consistent. A countless number of new techniques and algorithms have come and gone. Buffett maintains, in my opinion, simplicity. He invests in solid companies that focus on long-term growth while somehow ignoring the noise that sends most investors into a panic. I believe that he, he can be summed up as he really likes cash flow generating machines. He hasn't purchased real estate. He owns a 40-acre farm and his personal residence, especially since um, his partner, Charlie Munger, has done a lot with real estate. It's interesting that Warren Buffett has done nothing with real estate. He's invested in what are called real estate investment trusts over the years, REITs, publicly traded real estate investment plays. He knows it makes little sense to get in the business of being a landlord is his bottom line. Buying and managing real estate is more a business than it is an investment, he says. Let me repeat that one more time for those of you out there. Buying and managing real estate is more of a business than it is an investment. And he knows that his time is better spent choosing companies to invest in than it is running a real estate business. I mostly concur. Real estate's tricky. It's a tricky business at times. It's one that often needs to be scaled to compromise um, or to help comprise enough assets to compromise the risk. Several properties will take care of the one that has problems. A lot of individual investors get into real estate with a misconception that it's a passive investment and most eventually exit those properties once realize what they've gotten into. I bought a second home with a complete plan of turning it into a rental. And then within weeks, I've convinced myself not to because it's a business when it's a rental. Passive real estate investment allows investors to reap the rewards of profitable asset class of real estate, no doubt, without taking on that management responsibility. That's why, like real estate investment trusts, passive investors have seen the option to buy shares of individual rental properties. Now, with as little as $100, there's, I, I almost want to call them app, but there's investment platforms is the right way of calling them. That is, they're trying to fund rental properties through you and your small dollars. There's a lot of potential there, but it is a business and not an investment. It's worthy of reminding yourself of that. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. So if it's if Warren Buffett doesn't get into real estate, what does that tell you? Anything? Probably not too much, right? Costco customers seem to be swallowing the cost of membership fees to gain access to the wholesale retailer. Costco is one of those important companies that we pay attention to, especially when we want the dollar to stretch a little further, especially when inflation is problematic. Goldman Sachs reiterated a buy on Costco, citing a $548 stock price. It's currently They have confidence in Costco's value proposition resonating with customers. This is really when I find finances 
compelling. They're really, really compelling. Costco has a value proposition where it goes for 11% gross margins. You can see if Costco had a good quarter or not by the gross margins. It's that it's almost like, ooh, <clears throat> let's play name that company. They've got a 90% renewal rate on their memberships. They've got global growth opportunities, 2-3% annually, and likely to double the current store base from here. Costco has 65.8 million paid household members, 118 card holders, both up 6.5% year over year. Really slow, boring numbers come out of Costco. 90% renewal rate, 2 to 3% annual international growth, 11% gross margins. It is a beloved company because of it sticks to what it knows well. Costco's annual fees are more expensive than one of its closest competitors, Sam's Clubs, which is owned by Walmart. Walmart recently raised prices. Costco was able to get through this quarter without raising prices. Of which, here's what they also said. We'll eventually raise prices. One minute. That kind of, you know it's coming, Wall Street loves. Every year I follow Disney. I own shares of Disney. And every year, one of the things I say is, oh, looks like they're going to raise rates again. One day it cost you $106. Now it's $109. Where does it stop? Not in a recession. Disney has the problem of too many people want to go and poor people have the problem of too many rich people want to go and Disney is able to raise prices. That's the simple algorithm that works there. Same thing with Costco. It's an algorithm. It's numbers. It's easy to see. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black. Now back to new focus on wealth on AM 1220 KDOW. So a lot of my reading plays into research, right? You've heard of the term fintech. I'm pretty sure you have a pretty good understanding. Fintech stands for financial technology. It's a combo stock. Typically, it might be an app on your phone. It might get you a a low-cost loan. It may get you a credit report. It may link your bank accounts to your brokerage account. It may give you an options account to trade on, a fintech. There's actually something awesome now known as prop tech, and it is exactly what you think it is, a technology-based app typically that helps you get into property. When you see all the VCs who are pitching, they're pitching to their college professors, the college professors are pitching to Wall Street banks, and the banks are throwing big money and venture capital-type dollars into promising startups. When I take a look at these prop techs, um, they really boomed in 2020, 2021. Um, They're typically apps that help buyers and renters score homes or allow landlords to better manage properties. They can help support firms to construct and manage big buildings. Prop tech pulled in $32 billion of funding last year in venture capital, even as interest rates have started to spike. When I look through the names and the research reports on the fun tech startups, 
it tells me we're solving a lot of white collar problems. Uh, let me give you some examples. There's a company called Alto. It's A-A-L-T-O. They're allowing home buyers to sell directly to buyers by uploading their listings to its site rather than multiple listing service, MLS. It likes to say it allows sellers to list their homes in five minutes rather than five weeks it takes to list on MLS. It doesn't sound all that disruptive. They're trying to disrupt the MLS system, which does need disrupting for sure. Uh, Trying to greatly change the process of buying and selling a home. Get the fees out of buying and selling a home. That's who's going to win a lot. There's a company called Belong Home, who is a fund tech uh, portfolio, uh, port tech. Um, I mean, they offer digital property management for landlords. Now, here's a tricky one for them. They're giving 3% back, which goes to a down payment in the future on a home. But tenants must buy it through Belong Home's app and their platform. So it's matching landlords with renters, and you get to save 3% to buy a home in the future. 3% of your rent goes to down payment. That gets into legal dicey scenarios really, really quickly. How is that cash going to be held? And is it even flat out legal in the first place? Um, Again, taking a look at some of these companies, you quickly go, huh. I, I don't see that as changing the world. Um, Intera, it's an AI platform to help investors buy more homes. Intera uses artificial intelligence to help institutional residential real estate investors buy single family homes to rent out in 29 markets from Florida to Nevada. So in theory, my my the guy who's working at the radio station right now, he's pushing some buttons. He can be on his phone pushing some buttons and buying rental properties. Um the company helps because they're going to help manage the properties, which are single family rentals. And certainly we see there is a market for single family rentals, but did we really need an app to solve this one? There's an app called Urgeon. They build fences, literally. It's a San Francisco-based startup which employs 350 people using proprietary technology to help property owners build and maintain fences in Georgia, California, and uh, Texas. It's just trying to connect property owners with local contractors. And it's trying to do a lot of the technology like satellite, computer-aided design modeling, CAD, real-time pricing to allow customers to make decisions remotely on fencing projects. You're like... Do we really need that one? Flex is an interesting one. Um, The founder is an incredibly young looking person. Very attractive. Flex allows renters to make payments throughout the month. Again, do we really need this problem solved? And do we really need venture capital throw five and a half million, six million dollars at the founder. A lot of people would prefer not to pay their rent in one lump sum, but would rather make payments throughout the month. Flex foots the amount owed to the landlord by the first of the month. Then it allows its users to make multiple payments instead of one to pay it all back. It's a model similar to buy now, pay later. I that just seems like it's solving a problem that we don't really need solved. 
There's a company called Humming Homes. They let homeowners request maintenance help as if they were renters. Um, I see that. As a homeowner, sometimes I'm like, who do you call if a pool has a crack in it? I've never called that person. Is it a pool crack person? Is it a plumber? Who is it? There's some projects that I get in over my head. I've got some grout outside that um, is in between stones, and I've never replaced grout in between stones. I've done grout work inside a home. I've never done grout work outside a home. But do I really need Humming Homes, who's pulled in over $8 million, to have essentially on-call residential property management to home ownership? They can clean my gutters. I know who to call. Do I really need to pay a service to pull future services together for me? You can see how it's a plus for some people. You can see how it's overkill for others, right? There is a a company called Inspectify. And yes, this is going to be a word on inspection, home inspection. They can make or break moment by moment in any home buying deal. The inspection, it has to be done. It has to be right. Inspectify is streamlined every step of the process from booking a local inspector to delivering a digitized reports quickly. I, I don't see that as really too much of a problem. Okay, yes, the guy who did my home inspection, guy named Chip. I actually like having my home inspected every five to 10 years uh, to have someone come out and spend $300 to go through everything and say, oh, your water heater is going to last two more years. Oh, your room is going to last four more years. Um, but that is a luxury. It's not you know, a perk in my life, so to speak. It's a luxury to have people tell me how long certain appliances are going to last and how the foundation's aging and such. Um, yeah. And I think we've all had, if you've ever bought a home, you've dealt with an inspector and yeah, they can be a little tough to get on the calendar and yeah, they can be a little tough to get their report to you. But is this something that we need a platform for? Or is this, you know, school in school of businesses, MBAs saying we're running out of ideas to fix. There's nothing on this prop tech list that jumps out to me and says, this is going to be the the one, even the one that allows you to put 3% to saving for down payment. Great idea, but you can do that on your own in theory. Here's one where, again, an incredibly good looking founder, i.e. young person who is in college. Kindred, a home swapping network. They offer a network for home swapping between members who only pay a $300 annual fee and a $30 service fee per booking plus cleaning cost. So it offers a high trust, low cost alternative to Airbnb. And I don't get it. Okay, so I have a nice place in uh, the mountains and you have a nice place in the desert. We can swap with each other. Mm-hmm. Am I going to pay $300 for that? Eh. I get it because it's property owner to property owner. So we're more likely to respect each other's property. Eh, is that a problem that needs to be solved? I just don't feel it. This is one of the problems that I see is what sort of problems are we solving? Um, there's a company called Latchel, which is software for landlords to handle broken parts of or problems. So you have a busted water heater. 
Is the air conditioning not working right? Latchel is a property management maintenance software that makes it easier for landlords of single-family homes to fix broken amenities for their tenants. It also has staff to answer questions and solve problems right in the middle of the night so landlords don't have to do it. I have a property management company. I don't like paying them 8%, but I do because I don't have to answer any questions in the middle of the night. And every six months they go to my property, they, they take pictures and they're like, oh, uh, we see you got a some wood rot on your porch. We, we recommend replacing that. I'm like, good idea. You do that. Um, don't have the tenant call me. They're calling you, right? And that's the answer. That's the way I want it. Here's another startup called Lula, a one-stop shop for property maintenance for people or companies that own many single-family rentals. It allows tenants to submit requests, connects building managers with local service providers, handles scheduling, and supports real-time updates and photos. Again, I just don't see that as a problem that needs to be solved. It's a problem out there for sure. But I don't see the big dollars behind the venture capital thinking this is going to change the world. You find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black. Thanks for listening to the show. You're listening to New Focus on Wealth on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black, talking to all things financial money, investing, and more. I kind of like Jeremy Siegel. Um, I, I, I think he's an interesting interview. He's worked in business school. He's a professor. He gets paid a lot of money to talk about the economy and to say the word Wharton and to talk about the economy and say the word Wharton. So he's out there as a business school economist. I'm not going to say I think he's more right than wrong. I find him very interesting to listen to. He's criticizing the Federal Reserve and its chairman, Jerome Powell, today, saying that the United States Central Bank is moving too aggressively to fight inflation. It's going to hurt the American workers in the process. Again, this is a guy who works at a university. He doesn't work for the Federal Reserve. He doesn't work for corporate America. And if you're trying to read between the lines what I'm saying there, yeah, I'm a little cynical of university groupthink. But he's saying Jerome Powell and the U.S. Central Bank is moving too aggressively. He thinks that Jerome Powell owes the American people an apology for poor Fed policy, which that makes me snicker a little bit. Um, he sees persistently high inflation in 2022 as due in large part to the mistake made by the Fed in the aftermath of the coronavirus pandemic, which caused economic shutdowns around the world and big drops in global markets. He thinks the Fed's pivot to fast rate hikes is going to cause more economic damage. So they got it wrong in the first place. They're getting it wrong in the second place. Chairman Powell should offer the American people an apology for poor monetary policy, which again, makes me snicker. It feels a little politicized from the degree of university against economic government quasi-institution. Siegel said the Fed is talking way too tough and should be more worried about what 
causing a recession is going to do than focusing on lagged inflation data. He also thinks the Fed is being inconsistent with how it uses pieces of economic data. And there's one piece of data that the Federal Reserve looks at called the JOLTS report. JOLTS report is kind of the job openings and labor turnover survey. Um, and how the Fed is looking at it and how tight it is. And how you can look at back at it a year ago and see that it was the same kind of tightness, but a year ago we weren't bothered by that. What caused everyone to change their mind, he's saying. Inflation's been running at its fastest pace since the 1980s. Some price increases are due to factors like supply chain issues with COVID, supply chain issues with the war in Russia or Russia's invasion of the Ukraine, which drove up price of commodities. But that inflation's broadening out in recent reports, even as the price drop of oil um, has dropped sharply. So again, we're being told to worry about this. We're being told to worry about that. But then the game keeps changing. One source of inflation that worries some economists is rising wages. It's a wage price spiral where higher prices spark higher wages, which then reinforce still higher prices. Siegel said he doesn't think wages are really driving inflation this time, saying that recent worker raises appear to be kind of catch-ups rather than an ep- in, uh, a cause for inflation. So I, I started the segment by telling you I'm kind of intrigued by Jeremy Siegel. Um, he looks like your grandfather, the classic grandfather, kind of a Mr. Magoo type. He's been doing this for as long as I can remember. I've been reading his reports for as long as I can remember in, in money and inflationary scenarios. I think he's more right than wrong. Um, but he's always interesting. And uh, he's saying the Fed's playing this the wrong way. You're going to hear more and more of that, especially as we come towards elections. Democrats who want a healthy economy to crow about. Republicans who want an unhealthy economy to crow about. Vote for me, vote for me, vote for me. All on the backs of where inflation is and inflation and did the Federal Reserve get it wrong? And in hindsight, they stuck to their guns a little bit. And again, this is turning into a national pastime and I hate it. I'd rather talk about companies like fund stocks um, tied towards real estate. Like I'd rather talk about property tech. I'd rather talk about ETFs, but we're talking about the Federal Reserve and did they get it right or did they get it wrong? At some point, we do need to move on. But I think this policy was, uh, I think there was a blunder with vocabulary. And I think it was a blunder due to unprecedented COVID. And the stimulus that came out of the federal government to tell people, yeah, you don't have to go to work. Just stay at home. Don't spread the disease. Thank you. We've never had anything like that. This is a show dedicated to getting into retirement, but it's also a show about cutting down on mistakes. There's going to be nothing that we can do personally to change the Federal Reserve. Um, 
The mistake I think you could make now is panicking or changing your long-term strategy for short-term comfort. Um, my portfolio strategy is never, ever taken into effect. Um, short-term pain. I think it comes with the territory of long-term gain. Um, and that's one of my investing memes, short-term pain, long-term gain. I'm okay with that. Um, what's your end result? What do you feel comfortable with? Do you want to blame the Fed? Do you get anything from blaming the Fed? Do you get any gratification out of this? Yeah, it's a stupid exercise to me. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 